May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Now many of us as children recall being the brunt of name-calling maybe from a kid on the playground or a sibling. I had a sibling that would do that. Name-calling can be positive or negative. (coughs) It can be that someone calls your name in an endearing way, maybe even gives you a nickname like Jesus does with Peter just after today's gospel, calling him the rock. Or it can be demeaning, meant to separate you. One builds up and draws us closer to God and God's image within us. The other misses the reality altogether that we are made, all of us, in the image of God. And this is the point that we are all in need of a Savior, for in him we are all, without him, we are all just unredeemed sinners. The astonishing thing about God in our lessons today is that he calls each of us, yes, God, the creator of all the universe, calls each of us by name, knew us as we were being knitted in our mother's womb. He knows us as he talks about knowing Nathaniel, and he knows our heart, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the astonishing thing is that he loves us, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And he invites us to follow him. So I've been pondering, what in the world does it mean? What does it look like to follow him? Yes, to follow Jesus, God incarnate, in a day and an age where our very own president has stooped to name-calling and racism. It's been a rough week. Disappointing doesn't even cover it. But I think it is an opportunity to look at our own name-calling, either intentional or unintentional, as it may be, and to repent. I cannot change the actions of President Trump, and I join the Council of Churches in condemning his racist words this week about Haitians and Africans. I do not abide with that, and I clearly say that is not the way of a Christ follower. It is not language demonstrating the love for all people that Christ calls us all to. But I think we have here a teachable moment where we can stoop to our own name-calling back at him, or we can do something of reflecting on our own name-calling. 
For part of the issue is our denying that racism exists or that name calling is something that is only out there that others have done. But it is part of our human way. And somewhere along the way, some caring parent or teacher taught you it's not the right way. When I was a kid, I was caught out calling cuss words down the street, and I didn't know they were cuss words. They just sounded interesting, and I heard somebody else say them. That was a child's innocent mistake. That can be the case for some. So it's on all of us to be reflective and to correct our own behavior and those whom we have authority over. It might even be to write a letter to the president, I don't know. But I urge you to be self-reflective as well as being whatever your response is to his action. God brought that point home to me this week as I had a friend from Jamaica share with me that I, in fact, she thought was being racist in response to her when I first met her. We we're part of an online group and I was shocked and sad and actually horrified because I had been very intentional as an adult and working against racism in myself and in the world around me. I have been intentional about making friends with people who are different than me to learn who they are. It was a moment that called for courage and vulnerability and curiosity. I could have very easily just said, I don't know what you're talking about. But instead, I decided to be open and try to learn something from this. So I said that my intention was not to be so and asked what it was that I had done or said or not said that had her feel this way. She explained that when I first met her in our group that I avoided her, that I did not speak directly to her comments that she made. In essence, she was telling me that I ignored her. And in truth, I don't recall. I don't know what I did or didn't do. But I know now, because of her pointing it out, the importance of speaking directly to each person in a group, to calling them by name, to say you're important enough that I can say your name to you. This was a teachable moment for me that I would have missed if I had gone into deflecting or being guarded. And it's one that I hope will lead me to change behavior. The gospel at its very heart is all about inclusion. In my own ignorance, I was being exclusive. Some of what we do is knowing and some is unknown. And that's why we are come together in community to grow into being more like Christ. For we cannot know what we do not know. It sometimes takes someone pointing out to us. For example, I've been preaching from down there. It was just recently that someone said, we can't hear you. Well, heavens to Betsy, tell me. 
So here I am. I hope you can hear me a little better. Heads are bobbing. I work all week for a sermon. If you can't hear me, I, don't wanna, I want you to be able to hear it. So tell me. We need to be more approachable with one another in telling each other what it is that helps us or doesn't help us. We see God call Samuel over and over in our Old Testament reading and how it took Eli to explain to him the ways of God, that it was God calling him, not Eli. It was Eli who had to even tell him how to respond back to God, for he said, go back and lay down again, and when God calls you, tell him, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Are we listening to God? Are we listening for that still small voice? Samuel had not known God, so he did not recognize his voice. It was Eli, the elder, who helped him to discern God's voice. God spoke, and Samuel listened. And then Samuel had the difficult task of sharing what God said with his old friend, Eli. What God said was that he had told he would punish Eli's household for the iniquity that Eli knew of. But because his sons were blaspheming God and that Eli had done nothing to restrain them. Therefore God swore to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. And it's remarkable to me that Eli's response demonstrates an unwavering trust in God's sovereignty, for he says, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. He did not make excuses nor try to deny what he has done, what his household has done. They simply let go and let God come what may. What a teachable moment for Samuel on name-calling, on being called by God. One can turn toward God with an open, teachable heart, ready to serve as Eli teaches Samuel, or as Eli's sons did, turn against God, call God names, blaspheming his name, serving oneself, not God or their neighbor. I would say that it is a daily, even a moment-by-moment challenge of whom will you serve and love? Who will you follow and be more like? We all fall short of the glory of God, and he knew that. Eli's punishment is a warning to all who hear of the consequences of sin and the responsibility of elders and parents to train up our children in the way that they should go. But when they don't, what are we to do? How might we respond to Trump's childish, albeit dangerous, words by first looking at our own words and actions and that of our descendants, having a curious, even vulnerable discussion 
with family or friends. No excuses or justifying, but really trying to learn another way, God's way of love and exclusion for all people, not exclusion, inclusion. It takes work. That's why we're still at it. Tomorrow we'll celebrate Martin Luther King's day, the man who had a dream for a different kind of world. It could seem in this day and age and this moment in time that we are far, far from that dream. But maybe what's happening is that what's been down underground is being exposed, that we might face it and deal with it both starting from inside and in our conversations with others. For it is for the sins of the world, not just a part of the world, not just a section, but for all the world, that Jesus came, that we might be made one, united in love, not hate. This is our challenge in this day and age. As ones who have been called to follow Jesus, And to dare to be different, to not respond in hate, to not call names back, as tempting as it is, that isn't the way. I don't have answers for what you personally might do, other than to say, first look within at where you've been off track and repent. We even, as Christ followers, have the power to repent on behalf of another and so to pray for them. That God might transform their hearts as well. As is my practice, I like to give you some tool for making a change, for doing something different. This is an ancient prayer called the welcoming prayer. You've heard me talk of it before. But it's counterintuitive in that it is our tendency to flinch at negative emotions, to flinch at negative situations. And this is calling us to notice and accept. Not to condone, but to just simply notice and accept so that God might enter in and make a change. So here is this welcome prayer. There are cards at the back. I would invite you to consider taking one and reading it daily. See if it helps you to make a shift in letting God's presence and action within open your heart more fully to love, not hate. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today because I know it's for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for power and control. 
I let go of my desire for affection, esteem, approval, and pleasure. I let go of my desire for security and survival. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. I open to the love and presence of God and God's action within. I let go and let God. Amen.